Uh, tonight, um, this is something that I, I've taught the youth. I've taught um, on faith talk. And this is just something that I can't get out of my spirit. Amen. Um, and so I'm going to share it with you. And uh, I'm going to share some things that I've uh, shared in those messages. And uh, in the name of Jesus, more utterance, more uh, revelation is going to come forth in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to talk to you about the laying on of hands. Why we do it. And the power that it has. I'd like to start in Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 11. And the writer of Hebrews um, is, is talking to uh, converted Jews. Uh, who believed uh, and put their faith in Jesus, but they had the Jewish heritage. And uh, what we're about to see is that they kept going over the same things over and over and over and over and over again, but weren't getting it. And the writer, to an extent, he gets frustrated and he says, you should be teachers of this by now. You should know this so well that you should be teaching this. But you're still stuck in the classroom. Imagine a, a, a 70 or 80 year old person in a, first, like, in a first grade classroom. There's something wrong with that picture. Even if they were the teacher. You, why is an 80 year old person teaching a kindergarten? But anyways, besides that. Uh, a 70 or 80 year old person sitting in a kindergarten classroom sitting in the little chair, scooted up to the mini toddler table with a big jumbo crayon in their hand. <laughs> Amen? And that's where a lot of Christians are. That's the way a lot of Christians are. Man, they've been, they've been believing in Jesus for a long time. Long, somebody say long time. Long. But they haven't matured. They never got past the kindergarten or first grade When it comes to the things of faith. So let's read this in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. There is so much we would like to say about this. But it is difficult to explain. Especially since you are spiritually dull. And don't seem to listen. If you're following along in the the Bible app or something like that. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse 12. You have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. Somebody say basic things. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. Say, I'm mature. mature. Who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And here the writer says that if you don't mature, you don't understand right and wrong. You don't have the discernment of right and wrong. Now, I mean, there's some very blatant things like, should you kill your neighbor? No. But there's some, there's some things that uh, you don't get at the new birth. There's some things that need to develop. Amen. There's some things you need to train, to exercise. And uh, how many of you know chapters in, uh, they didn't write in chapter and verse. And so chapter five really doesn't end there. It goes on. It's not a, he's not done with his thought. So chapter six, verse one. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead And become mature in our understanding. Surely we do not need to start again the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds. Placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms. The laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so God willing we will move forward to further understanding. Now tonight what I'm going to give you is um, what I teach to our, our, our teenagers. Uh, I, I don't babysit. I don't like babysitting. Uh, when I babysit Juliana, we do something. Uh, we, uh, we go out. We do something. Uh, I'm going to be productive. And she's going to be productive with me. Um, 
Lord willing. Um, But here we see that the writer gives us this list of fundamental, or you can put it like this, elementary principles. Somebody say that, elementary. Elementary. And I believe a lot of us in here have moved on uh, from these elementary principles, but we need reminded of them, amen? Amen. If you want to build a solid spiritual foundation and build on that, you need to have a good foundation. You don't need to have an incomplete foundation. Amen? You don't need an incomplete foundation. If you forget a brick, that's not good. <laughs> if, uh, if you uh, let the concrete just kind of crack a little, that's not good. They tear down houses for that. <laughs> we need to make sure our foundation is solid. And so these, what I like to call fundamental elementary building blocks are what we need to make sure are intact, are in place and understood. And that is repenting. That is faith in God. What does it mean to have faith in God? Well, you go to Hope Harbor Church, praise the Lord. You've been taught a little bit about faith. Praise the Lord. We, we uh, decided to do a podcast. You know what we called it? Faith Talk. <laughs> faith Talk. Um, repenting, faith in God, baptisms, the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Uh, and you know, some of these very basic things, Christians argue over. And these are elementary. And when we talk about the laying on of hands, some people are like, wow, that's way up there. No, it's elementary. That's elementary. We talk about the resurrection of the dead. That's elementary. We need to learn this so we can do what? Move on. Move on. Oral Roberts. How many of you ever heard of the name Oral Roberts? Powerful man of God. Uh, recently, I found a, a bunch of uh, his teaching online. I've been listening to it, and it's great. You should do it. Um, I, I was reading an a, uh, encounter that somebody had with Oral Roberts, and they asked him, what was your most difficult moment in ministry. And I remember as I was reading that, I began to fill in the blanks in my head. Like, well, maybe it was finances. Maybe he was believing God to to build this building. Or there was one time where he was believing God to pay off the debt of medical students so he can send them into the mission field because they couldn't travel abroad with medical debt. And so he's believing God to pay off all of these doctors' medical debt so he can send them overseas. And so I was thinking, well, what about this? What was it? I, I paused before I, I read the, the thing because I was assuming. And the next, his answer shocked me. He said, I was in Brazil. I was in Brazil. And 500,000 people came to hear me preach and be healed. Half a million. In case you didn't know what 500,000 was. 500,000 people came to hear me preach and be healed. Now, in his ministry, he was primarily used with the laying on of hands. In fact, I was uh, listening to his, his son at a conference one time, and he said that his dad would sit in a hotel room and just wait on the presence of God. He would sit in his hotel room, just wait on the presence of God. Even if they were 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour late, he wouldn't leave until he had the presence of God, until he felt the presence of God. And specifically, he said, until he felt it in his hand. And uh, his son asked, well, why do you do that? Why why do you wait? Because he said, people are counting on me. Now, you may sit there and think, well, the Lord doesn't use, use me with the laying on of hands. Well, actually, he wants to. In fact, it was in the final thing that he said. They shall lay their hands on the sick. And now you may think, well, I'm exempt. Well, then are you exempt from making disciples? Are you exempt from, <laughs> where do you draw the line there? It's the Great Commission. It's something that we are all supposed to 
do. And so he's in Brazil. 500,000 people come and he said, the most difficult moment in my ministry is when I realized I couldn't lay my hands on 500,000 people in that setting. That was the most difficult, where he knew he physically couldn't lay his hands on 500,000 people. And that was, that was heartbreaking for him because he knew the importance of laying on of hands. You see, when it comes to hands, they're spiritual instruments that God wants to use to impart spiritual power and blessing to others. How many of you know there's power in your, your voice? There's power when you speak. There's power in your confession. Well, there's power in your hands. There's power in your hands. Our hands have no magical qualities in and of themselves. When you look at my hands, they're just some normal hands. I think I have some pretty odd hands, but whatever, regardless of that. You may think, well, I have, I have some odd hands too, or you may just look at these hands and remember some scars. Uh, but regardless, there's no, nothing magical about these hands. But God designed our hands to be uh, used by him to transfer power to others. How many of you know when you bless somebody, you say it vocally? I bless you in Jesus' name. I empower you to prosper. Well, in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob both vocally pronounced the blessing and followed it up by laying their hands on their sons. Because they knew the power of the laying on of hands. This is pre-law. This is pre-Jesus, New Testament, New Covenant. And they knew the power of laying on of hands. So I'm skipping ahead, but the blessing is also transferred by the laying on of hands. The blessing is transferred by the laying on of hands. And that includes healing. Well, that's the big one. But not just healing, but deliverance, freedom to the oppressed, any kind of miracle in people's lives. Your hands can be a spiritual conduit that God wants to use. Yes, your voice. You know, Jesus used his voice and he used his hands, and sometimes he used both. Amen? But not just the healings and the deliverances and the, the freedom that, that people get who are oppressed mentally or emotionally or anything like that. But it's also a spiritual impartation. There's gifts, there's blessing, there's encouragement, abilities, callings, and anointings that are transferred by the laying on of hands. And I, I feel tonight that some people are saying, well, that, that's not me. You're missing out on what God has designed your hands to do. You're missing out. God wants to use you. Say, He wants to use me. And sometimes we, we narrow how God can use us. I'm uncomfortable doing this, but I'll do this. What if He wants to use you over here? Maybe we need to be more like Oral Roberts, and, uh, and know people are counting on me. They may not know it yet, but people are counting on me. You know, every time Pastor Art takes the pulpit, he knows people are counting on him. He does. He spends time in prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit. Every time that he opens up his word, uh, opens up his Bible and reads the word, he knows people are counting on it. And we need to realize that people are counting on us. They may not know it. There was many healings that Jesus did that people didn't know he was going to do. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus didn't know he was going to get healed or raised from the dead. Amen. Are you with me? The man at the pool of Bethesda. He didn't know. Jesus found him. Are you with me? Yeah. Jesus found him. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you to people. Yeah. 
And as mysteriously as you came into their life, sometimes you leave just as quick. Amen? Amen? Where the hand of God is, something of His divine nature happens. And what we need to realize is that when we stretch out our hands in faith and obedience, our hand becomes the hand of Jesus. Our hand becomes the hand of Jesus. Amen? We need to be willing to be used to be His hands. We need to be willing to be used by Him. How many of y'all are willing? How many of you want to be used by Him? In all kinds of miracles. I want to just give you, uh, I'm not going to say a few, there's several uh, things here that happens when we lay our hands on people. Some of these overlap, but I can give you instances of all of them individually. The first thing is power. Somebody say power. Power. And when we uh, say the word power, there's a certain Greek word that everybody uses, and that is dunamis. 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 how many of you all, what is, what is the definition of dunamis? I heard a lot of mumbling. I see somebody speak clear. <laughs> dynamite, dynamite, yes. Anything else? Explosions, very good. So when it comes to dunamis, yes, that's actually where we get the word dynamite. Explosion, powerful, uh, earth-shaking. Um, But they didn't have dynamite in the New Testament. At least we don't have any record of it. Um, And when they used the word dunamis in the New Testament, so when Luke was writing Acts and he said, but you shall receive power. When Jesus said that and Luke was recounting it or uh, re-saying it in, in in the book of Acts, he was saying, but you shall receive power. The Holy Spirit had him use that word dunamis. There was no dynamite in the day, so it had to mean something. Amen? It was used to describe a force of nature. How many of you remember what happened on December 3rd? December 10th, thank you. How many of you remember what happened on December 10th? Yeah, everybody knows. And then ever since then, anytime a storm happens, what comes up in everybody's memory? December 10th and fear. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's where I was getting at. (laughs) That's where I was getting at. Fear comes up in people's minds. Anytime a storm, it's a tornado. You know, what time is it? (laughs) Um, From time to time, I pick up students uh, with with Bryce for our after school program. We go to the schools, we pick them up, they come back and they have the after school program. Praise the Lord for it. But anytime there's clouds in the sky, You know what they say? I heard there's a tornado coming. And you want to know what else they say? My mom said. My dad said. Now, whether that's true or not, they had to hear it from their mom or dad at one point in time. You need to be careful what you say around your kids. If there's a a dangerous situation, there's some things they need to know and some things they do not need to know. If there's a difficult situation in your family, there's some things they need to know, and there's a lot of things they don't need to know. And so can we just be honest here? How did that fear get rooted in their lives? Because mom or dad said something. But anyways, when we talk about power, it's a spiritual force of nature. And When we say dunamis in relationship with the Holy Ghost and His power and the power of God, it is an earth-shaking, devil-destroying, clears out the path of any demonic forces in your way, 
Anytime you release the power of God, it's as if a spiritual tornado goes in front of you and clears the way for you. If there is a sick person that just happens to be in the path, they get healed. This is not a physically destructive power. This is a devil destroying power of God. And in fact, the word anointing means burden removing, yoke destroying. And when the power of God is released, it shakes things in your life that needs to be shaken. It shakes the things in other people's life that needs to be shaken. It removes things out of people's life that doesn't need to be there. Amen. It is a spiritual force of nature. And when we lay our hands on people, it clears things out of the way that doesn't need to be there. It removes tumors that have no right. Amen. Yes. It pulls scales off of people's eyes that doesn't need to be there. It sets things in, men, in, in order in, their, in their, their mind. Amen? Yes. It balances hormones that are out of balance. Amen? Yes. It's a spiritual force of nature and it ruins the devil's day. The things that the devil had built in somebody's life become destroyed when the power of God is released. By the laying on of your hands. Well, obviously healing as well. Amen? We see it in Jesus' ministry over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes he used his hands, sometimes he didn't. But we see that in his final words, he said, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. In fact, Jesus was so mindful of the power of laying on of hands. He made it. One of the last things he said, go do this. Healing, deliverance, freedom of the oppressed. And I remember as I wrote this, I was thinking, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to convey the message of freedom mentally and emotionally and spiritually? Because not everything is physical. Amen. Not everybody has a broken leg that needs healed. Not everybody has uh, kidney issues that need healed. But there are some people that need emotional healing. Some people that need mental healing. Maybe there's some spiritual oppression going on. And freedom comes when we lay our hands on the oppressed. I like that analogy, man. Whatever the devil built, the power of God destroys. Woo, that's good. Miracles, spiritual impartations. When we talk about spiritual impartations, um, in the book of Acts, before Saul, we'll just call him Paul, uh, when Paul and Barnabas were about to go on their first missionary journey, what did they do? They fasted and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. We overlooked that kind of stuff. But it must have been very important for Luke to mention it. Because the fasting was important. The prayer was important. And we can, people just stop right there. Yep, fasting and prayer. That's what we need to do. No, there's an impartation when hands are laid on. And the Holy Spirit wanted to convey to you and I that the laying on of hands is just as important as the fasting. It's just important as the praying. There's a spiritual impartation when hands are laid on. I remember I stood right here, in fact, on my ordination night. And people gathered around me and my mother and father laid their hands on me. And the man of God, Bob Rogers, laid his hands on me. There's a spiritual impartation when hands are laid on you. And I remember he was exhorting me before he prayed for me. And he said, Tim, I was, I was already preaching. I was already pastoring. I didn't really think I needed uh, the hands laid on me. I didn't really think I needed to be ordained, but I did it anyways. I really didn't think it was that important. But he said, there was a difference in my life. And you know what? When I got up off of my knees right here, I didn't feel different. 
I definitely didn't preach different yet. Still pretty bad in my opinion, but <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I've been preaching here a long time. You can be honest. My early stuff's not as good as it is now. <laughs> in fact, I, I wanted to hide that stuff so much when I was in charge of the media and technology. I got rid of some of those early ones because they were just so bad. I didn't want to remember them. I wanted to put them away. Uh, but anyways, but there's a difference in people's lives. And sometimes people mistake something not miraculously happening instantly and they think it didn't work. They think it didn't work. And they begin to think that enough and confess that enough until what? Their thoughts and their confessions make it of no effect. Amen? Are y'all getting anything out of this? Spiritual impartations, spiritual gifts. Yes, uh, people can be led in the baptism of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. But also other spiritual gifts can be imparted. Words of knowledge. You can receive the gift of word of knowledge. I think everybody should flow in the gift of discernment, (laughs) especially in today's world. I was asking Pastor Art one time, um, this was a this was a while ago. I said, I said, Dad, I don't, I don't, I call him Pastor Dad. I call him Pastor Art. I call him Dad. I call him Big Guy from time to time. But we'll just keep that between us. <laughs> Maybe he's not listening right now. Um, there was a, there for a while. I called him Pops. He wasn't a fan of that one. Um, anyways, <laughs> there was a there was a couple in the church, and they just weren't getting it. I'll just say the elevator wasn't going to the top floor, okay? It just seemed during several situations that there was just some people, they just weren't getting it. And if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. If you think I'm talking about you, I'm not, but maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to you. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. But in the couple's defense, they, they're not here. Anyways, um, I said, I said, Dad, these, these people, they've been Christians a long time. You say, yeah. I said, and, and, and I see a lot of maturity in, in some areas. And I would think that they would be able to discern. Don't confuse being a Christian for a long time with they have the gift of discernment. Amen? Didn't the writer of Hebrews just call a bunch of people who have been Christians for a very long time spiritually dull (laughs) and babies? Thank you. Amen. You be careful who you get your guidance from. You be careful who you get your wisdom from. Amen. Amen. I I prefer tried and true. People who have been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. And now we're selling the t-shirt. <laughs> Amen. I prefer people like Pastor Art. I prefer people like Pastor Kelly. I prefer people who have uh, imparted things into my life, like Sister Rita. I prefer, prefer people like uh, Brother Mark Randall, who's with the Lord now. Amen. People who have really made an impact in your life. And I, I believe that, can I deal with some things? There's, there's, there's this thought that, well, they don't really care about me. If you walk into the doors of this church, God brought you into a home. Yes, he, did. he brought you into a family. Yes. And people can sit there, sit there and think, well, that's just, that's just, It's just emotional talk. No, he sets the lonely in families. If he brought you here, he brought you here for a reason. And your pastor cares about you. The staff here care about you. The wonderful board that we have cares about you. The leadership here cares about you. The people that teach here care about you. And they're good people. Pastor Art 
is full of wisdom. Spiritual gifts, not just gifts, but you'll get uh, abilities. When, when hands are laid on you, if, if you're seeking things from the Lord, the ability to, to do this, the ability to organize, or the ability to lead, amen? You know, leadership abilities are imparted by the laying on of hands. Whatever you, you've sought the Lord about, uh, when it comes to abilities, it can come through the laying on of hands. These last three here, callings. You can receive a calling by the laying on of hands. I can't tell you how many times I've laid my hands on, on, on a teenager to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they'll say, Tim, I know what I'm supposed to do. I, I got my calling. It happens. It happens. Anointings come by the laying on of hands. And the blessing comes by the laying on of hands. And when I, uh, when Juliana was born, I had decided, well, not I, Sarah and I had decided uh, that the first thing that she heard was the blessing. Now, not literally, like as soon as, and then we, no, clean her off, <laughs> get everybody okay. <laughs> Get, a, get everything okay. But the first interaction, meaningful interaction, we wanted to make sure that she heard the blessing. And how many of you know you got to hold that baby? Amen? And so I held her and pronounced the blessing. Sarah held her, pronounced the blessing. Pastor Art held her and pronounced the blessing. Amen? The blessing is imparted vocally and by the laying on of hands. And I encourage you, mothers, fathers, grandparents, lay your hands on your kids. Not, not, not like, it's <laughs> not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Sometimes you may want to. <laughs> but lay your hands on your kids. And they, they don't even have to know what's going on. Give them a hug. Amen? Give them a hug. Lay your hands on your kids and just pronounce the blessing on them. There's an impartation. And you may not notice a difference then and there. Amen? But don't let your faith fall by the wayside when you don't see an explosion or fireworks happen immediately. Amen? Because going back to a dunamis, when some people don't see an explosion of the miraculous power of God happened instantaneously. What do they do? It didn't work. <laughs> That's what they do. It didn't work. Well, maybe you didn't work. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, you just needed to hold your faith out. Maybe you just needed to keep believing instead of doubting. Amen? That's why we're called believers, Amen. not doubters. Right. In Jesus' ministry, Matthew 8, 3, Matthew 8, 15, 9, 29, 17, 7, 20, 34, just in the book of Matthew, we see him laying his hands on people. And Mark 1, 41, 8, 22, just to mention a couple, Jesus laid his hands on people. Jesus knows the importance and the power of, of laying on of hands. Let's turn to uh, Mark 16. And look at this for ourselves. How many of you know the Great Commission? How... Mark 16, 15, Jesus speaks through verse 18. But how many of you have ever read 19 and 20? Because I think 19 and 20 is just as powerful. Let's read verse 15. And then he told them, go in to all the world and preach the good news to everyone. 
Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. Now, let me ask you something. Is the Great Commission for everyone? Yes. It means the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Amen. It means speaking in tongues is for everyone. everyone. There we go. Just a little side note for you. Verse 18. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Doesn't mean go out and find a copperhead. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean test it. <laughs> Amen. But there's protection. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Verse 19, when the Lord had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them. Confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Amen? Amen? You know what this tells me? The laying on of hands works. Yes. Laying on of hands is for you and for me. Now, does that mean you need to start a, a brand new ministry and, and go out and, and lay your hands on, on everybody? No, just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Amen? Yes. Just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. If he tells you to go start a ministry, well, praise God. Go do it. Amen? Amen. But in the name of Jesus, you need to do what the Lord has told you to do. I feel... Where someone has told you to turn left... Where people have said, no, 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 go do this, go do this, go do this, go do this. But the Holy Spirit has, has quickened you not to go, not to do. But even, but the important people, there was a lot of voices. I said, go, 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 go. Maybe even your own voice. But the Holy Spirit was slowing you down. And there was just this check. And it's a current situation. Yield. 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 Don't, don't go to the left. Don't go to the left. Yield. Wait and listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's saving you from something. He's saving you. You need to listen. You need to listen. Don't go to the left. I keep hearing this. There's some important voices, voices that you valued, voices that, 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 that uh, have spoken things over you in the past. Yield. Yield. Amen? Yield. Praise the Lord. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 9. This is our last verse of the evening. Acts chapter 9. There are two Ananiases in the book of Acts. Don't be the first one. Be this one. Acts chapter 9 and verse, uh, let's start in verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Real, real quick, if, if, you, if you have a little room, just underline Ananias and say, that's me. Because you know what? Ananias wasn't a pastor. From what we know, Ananias wasn't in any of the fivefold ministry gifts. He was a believer. Now, how many of you can raise your hand and say, I'm a believer? <laughs> I'm a believer. So we see this believer, not in the fivefold ministry, not a pastor, not a prophet, not a, anything like that. And the Lord spoke to him 
in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Something that the, the, the Lord has, has taught me uh, here recently is just say yes before you even hear what. That's a level of obedience right there. Because if you say yes, you can't get out unless you really want to be in disobedience. <laughs> Amen? Just say yes before you hear what to the Lord. Where am I? Verse 11. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, not the one you're thinking of. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. The Lord set him up. <laughs> Lord said, uh, you go see, go see Saul. He knows you're coming. Uh, so go. <laughs> there was no way out. Amen. Lord just set him up. Verse 13, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. He, had, uh, he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to kings, as well as the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. Did what? What's the next sentence? Laid his hands on him. Now we see two things happening when Ananias lays his hands on him. Two. We're going to see him here in just a second. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. So we see two things happening here. We see one, a physical healing and two, a spiritual impartation. By how? Laying on of hands. We need to value the laying on of hands far more than we ever had before. Amen? There's a reason when you come to these altars and we lay hands on you, it's not just so there's some sort of human connection going on. It's not like some sort of spiritual hug or anything. <laughs> you know, sometimes, uh, can I just be, can I, can, I, can I be honest with you? I like six feet apart. <laughs> It's just me. I mean, don't force me to do it. I'll just do it voluntarily. <laughs> you see what I'm saying here? I like my space. Um, and sometimes I don't want to lay hands on people, but I know people's counting on me. People are counting on me. Amen? Some people are counting on you. Amen? Amen? There's some people counting on you. They may not know it. But you can come across somebody uh, if you still go into the bank, which is kind of weird. You just go through the drive-thru now, but whatever. <laughs> but if you go into your bank and you see somebody and the Holy Spirit just prompts you, you know what you need to do? Whatever, before you even hear what He wants you to do, yes, Lord. Be like Ananias. Say, I'm Ananias. Say it with me, I'm Ananias. I'm Ananias. Not the first one. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> the good one. If you don't know the first one, just go back a couple chapters. It was pretty cool, but anyways. Uh, but we need to be Ananias. You don't have to be in the fivefold ministry. You can be. You don't have to be anybody great or grand. You don't have to have a, a ministry title. You don't have to have a, a Bryce Norris International Ministries.com or anything like that. Although that's a great one. That's a long one, but it's a great one. I'd encourage you to shorten it. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? You don't have to have the title. 
You don't have to have pastor in front of your name. You don't have to have prophet in front of your name. You don't have to have bishop in front of your name. You just got to be a believer like Ananias. And you know, there's a lot. I want to, I want to go back to this point. I'm going to close here. That when we lay our hands on people and we don't see the explosion like the dynamite, like we expect, like if I don't see somebody, something pop or something happen, then, then it didn't work. Well, you know what? You know the only thing that's required of you is obedience. You're not responsible for what happens afterwards. It's not your power. It's not your name. Amen? I'm so glad I don't pray in the name of Tim Hines. It ain't getting very far. And I definitely can't heal people. I'm not a doctor. And I tend to be a little bit clumsy. (laughs) I tend to hurt myself. (laughs) And so it's not your name. It's not your power. The only thing you're responsible for is yes, Lord. That's the only thing you're responsible for is yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Amen. And so when you lay your hands on somebody and nothing happens, you did your part. Now, just see what happens. Just see what happens. Can the instantaneous miracles happen? Yes, absolutely they can. Do I believe they're going to happen more often? Absolutely I do. Absolutely. But there, there's those miracles that are progressive. How many of you know when somebody's got a cancer in their body or they got something wrong with their kidneys or something like that, they're not going to know then and there. Are you with me? They're not going to go then and there. They got to do what? They got to go to the doctor. Get it checked out. Amen? Can I give you a testimony? I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll uh, deliver this to more extent in the future. Um, the Lord has done a work in my body. Um, a little less than a year, year-ish ago, uh, I was extremely, extremely overweight. Extremely. Um, and uh, well, I'll just well north of 300 pounds. Uh, extremely overweight, extremely unhealthy. If you looked at my blood work, there was nothing normal. <laughs> it was bad. Somebody say bad. And uh, this, uh, there was a uh, situation where I had to go to the doctor just to get a, a shot and just to kind of get up to date, that kind of thing. And um, and they, they saw my blood pressure and they saw, and they said, well, we want to do some blood work. This is not, and they did all that. Nothing was right. I was in bad shape. Um, and so time went on and I knew that the Lord was wanting to work in my body. I just never listened. Amen. You know, the Lord never wanted me to be overweight. Amen? The Lord never wanted me to be overweight. The Lord never wanted me to be unhealthy. The Lord never wanted me to have high blood pressure. The Lord never wanted my, uh, all these levels to be all over the place. He didn't want that. It was my fault. It was my fault. I did that. Anyways, so uh, about a year ago, I, I listened to the Lord, and Sarah and I began making some life changes. I'm not here to advocate for a certain diet. I'm not here to advocate for a certain physical activity. I believe every body is different. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit about what you need to do. Amen? 
Some bodies may do better high fat. Some bodies may do better low fat. Some bodies may do better no sugar. Who knows? But the Lord knows your body because he made it. So you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so the Lord started making some changes in our life. And, uh, and over the, the past year, the Lord has just been changing my body. My energy levels went up. My resting heart rate plummeted in a good way. <laughs> plummeted in a good way. And uh, how many of you remember in the Bible where uh, Jesus healed the, the man with leprosy? And then he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Well, I had a word from the Lord. He said, go show yourself to the doctors. I said, okay. Um, and so I, I, I went to the doctors and not everything's perfect. But he's continuing to do a work in my body. My blood pressure is normal. Uh, there's still a few things I got to work on. And I'm sure if we all looked at your blood work, some things you got to work on too. Amen. And I'm not saying this to, to condemn anybody or anything like that. I'm saying that just say yes and watch what he'll do. Amen. I mean, the Lord, I was having a conversation with the Lord and he said, why did you do it? Why did you decide to obey me? I said, one, I wanted to be around for Sarah and Juliana. That was my number one reason. I'm not going to say just to obey you. No, I want to be honest with the Lord. <laughs> I want to be around. <laughs> and then secondly, I said, for the ministry, for you, so you can do whatever you want to do with me. And there was a, uh, it was in December. I wish I had the date. I, I was driving. I, I didn't write it down. There was a date where the Lord asked me a question. He said, now how much more can you do and how much longer can you do it? Ooh, that got me excited. How much more can I do and how much longer can I do it? How much more can I do for the Lord and how much longer can I do it for him? You know, I look at people like Brother Copeland approaching 90, and he is on fire. My goodness. You, you know, people who, in the ministry, they get older, and then they let, they let the younger people go on. He ain't letting anybody go on before him. <laughs> He's still going. Amen? I said all that to say this, is just say yes. Just say yes to the Lord. And you know what? I really feel the Lord saying this. Uh, he's going to impress you to lay your hands on, on, on people that, that don't want you to. That don't want you to. But just do it. Do it in passing. Do it as a hug. Do it as a... Amen. And just bless them. Yes. Bless them. Yes. Amen? Yes. And see what the Lord's going to start doing in their life. It doesn't have to be a grand show where you get the, the jerk <laughs> in front of you and you say, I'm going to lay my hands on you in the name. They're probably going to think you're going to punch them. Um, but what do you do? Just do it in passing. Pat them on the back. Something. Lay your hands on them and just bless them. Amen? Amen. Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.